Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, what is happening, tennis fans? Mitch Michaels, Zach Cohen, Kenny Ducey. It's Tennis Bets every Wednesday to the Road to Roland Garros. We've got your picks. We've got your covered. And, uh, guys, this is a, a very interesting time of year. First off, we'll, we'll hear what each of you have to say, but we have Madrid and Rome coming up. We have bigger draws than ever before. So this week, we're going to actually be looking forward. Not as much going on. The draws just starting for the men. The women were yesterday. Uh, Kenny, good to have you in front of the brick wall. The you know the brickyard is is popping today, but happy to have you on. And uh, what are your thoughts on this bigger expanded field in Madrid? Yeah, we call it the Brickyard One Thousand in honor of the uh, Masters One Thousand we've got going on here. Also, yeah, it's it, it's very fitting to be in front of the brick as we play on the clay. It, it is always very fun to have a Masters event in general, especially a joint event. And and you know the bigger field sizes, I would say from a betting perspective. Uh, always, I think there's always the temptation in a smaller tournament or later in a tournament to play more matches than you'd like to, to kind of force it. Oh, well, you know, uh, I really only like the one match today, but like, oh, well, I, I want to play another, like it, it, it does, does help you be more selective with your spots. And also I think when you, one of the factors with the bigger draws is that you have the, uh, sort of the, the guys who are graduating or trying to graduate from the challenger level or the, you know, the, the women from the ITF. Uh, circuit like I think that there's definitely it's nice to have everybody in the mix in these first few days before the high seeds play uh, it's always fun to see sort of how they've come out of qualifying you know who, who could maybe be a threat to some of these bigger seeds make a run so it's it, it's definitely I love masters tennis uh, I, I love 1000 level tennis and it's uh, great to have back Zach Cohen Zico we're going to bring you in now to the fact that it's the bigger events. There's not as much clashes at the top early, so we can kind of gather some more intel, see what players are looking good, what upsets we like, which favorites we want to tail. But also knowing that these court conditions, and you're like our resident court condition expert, how they play in Madrid versus elsewhere. Also, looking back on some of the results, it might not matter for the top players because it seems like some of the very best just find a way to have good results at every event. Yeah, I'm actually interested in hearing what you guys have to say about this, because this is supposed to be, you know, a faster clay court, but I do think it has been playing somewhat slow through the first day or two. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a clay court expert. I'm no Kale Hammond, but I do uh, try to look at the, uh, the courts a little bit. Well, Stuttgart well, is different. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Kenny, but I was just going to say Stuttgart is its own thing. Like, I don't even put it in the same class as everything else. But, yeah, I, that's that's just where I land on it. Well, what I was gonna, what I was gonna bring up, maybe even ask Zico if he is the the one of the experts here or the expert out of us three on the court speeds. Like Madrid is a weird one because I, if you look up the elevation in Madrid, I think what is it only like two hundred or three hundred feet above sea level? It's not really at altitude that much, but it does play like it's it's a, a pretty significant altitude. Uh, so I think that sometimes also when you're looking at venues and you look at 
certain courts. You might just look at the number, uh, how many how many feet above sea level, and you might oh, you know, they're not really playing at altitude. Um, but it it is some altitude. It is significant enough to alter how the courts play. But I will say, like, I I, I don't know. I don't know if they're playing that slow. I, I watched a, a lot of the Bublik match today against Galan. I thought that. Uh, both guys were able to to hit through the court with relative ease. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I still have yet to see one way or another how it's going to play. So I, I would really, I, I do trust you, Zico, but I am skeptical a little bit. Zico, are we at a place with the women's game now where Iga's just reached that Rafa level of clay respect because she comes in as a minus favorite? She won last week at Stuttgart, time off, comes back, no problem. Beats Sabalenka in a rematch of that one. Enters as a prohibitive favorite. We can run through the numbers, but I think it's only about plus 450, plus 500 that she wins without dropping a set. So thinking about that, thinking about Iga, the draw, maybe not her hardest one, but what do you think about gauging Iga and if she's just a horse to back on clay going forward? Yeah, I actually have something coming to tennis.com either today or tomorrow where I did say that Iga's a good bet at minus 110. I think that if she didn't have any injury concerns at all, which I don't even think she does anymore after Stuttgart. I think that she there's a chance she'd be minus 150, minus 200 this tournament. The way she dismantled Sabalenka, I thought that was really big in terms of evaluating the women's game right now because I thought there was you know some concern a little bit about you know her dealing with Sabalenka's power, but she did it really easily. And I do think that she has reached a Rafa level where I don't really want to bet against her on clay. Well, yeah, and and what's interesting, Kenny, is that. Sabalenka is the clear number two. Like she is with Anjabor out, she's the clear number two favorite. I think Bedosa's third, which is where it drops off from a uh, odds perspective. But if Sabalenka is number two and Iga's doing that, it's going to take a Herculean effort to beat her on her favorite surface. And I would say Madrid somewhere that she might even be better than she is at Stuttgart, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I mean, she's a bona fide star at this point. Uh, she's had an incredible season, and I, it, it's it's nice to finally see after years of, of really just a couple of tumultuous years there where she had the yips and uh, falling short of expectations. I, I think it's clear now that she will get to number one eventually. Well, I mean, I don't know about clear because Iga is pretty damn good, but what I did want to bring up is the person that we're not talking about who's in Iga's half of the draw, which is Elena Rabakina, who obviously they never met on clay, Borobakina, a three-one head-to-head, and I think that I think that I'd be a little nervous if I were Iga here looking at the draw because I think it's a little early to face an opponent of that caliber or someone that dangerous for her. This is someone who went to the round of sixteen here last year. Um, you know, obviously we, we she won Wimbledon, like she's going to be really good on fast surfaces, but you know we've talked about that this is faster clay, this is altitude clay, and of course we don't know the specifics of. Maybe this year it's going to play. It's going to play a little bit slower than last year, but you know, Rabakina still won a decent amount on clay over her career. Even if some of those came at the ITF level, seven and five last year. Like I'm, I'm not. I think that could be a very, very good match. I agree that Iga is essentially Rafa on clay at this point on the women's side, as she has been for a few years. It seemed, uh, you know, obviously she had a, a dip there last year a little bit, but. Um, I, I think that's a very dangerous spot for her. And I'm looking for Rabakina to even take her game to yet another level uh, in this uh, this season, especially this spring and summer. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the head-to-head advantage is a mental block. It's something that no one can really say they have over Iga. But my thing is, does Rabakina get past Barbora? Because that's Kerchikova. That's what I was going to say. It's, if, it's not, if it's not her, it's going to be Kerchikova. It's a crazy that's draw. Fun. And we got upsets, too. I mean, fun. I would just... I would just also add, and we've been up and down. We've been down recently for the results, but 
Coco Golf is now dropped. Like the market has reflected her play is outside of, I think, I think she's about plus 2,200 to win this tournament. Now, not going to go that far out on a limb, but I think we might be overcompensating because as bad as it's looked at times, I still think she's one of the premier top 10 or so clay contenders in every event. Sports books overcompensating. I don't, I didn't, yeah. I've never, tennis, especially I've never, never heard of them about that. I met value. Potapova might have, might have Coco's number. That's twice that it's happened. On two different surfaces, so. I, I will say, I don't know if this is an interesting nugget uh, that's useful to anybody, but I mean, it is, it, it, I don't, it's pretty related, but it reminds me of last year when Matteo Berrettini came back to grass and mm-hmm. he was, I believe plus plus 1500. Cause he was dealing with the wrist injury mm-hmm. um, to win Wimbledon. And then he won his first tournament back. I think it was Hala. And he was still plus 1500 and I took a bite out of that. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like you, you just won a tournament. He looked, I mean, he didn't look great, but he looked fine, good enough to win. Right. Um, and then, you know, I think the next week after, after he'd won a second tournament, he dropped to like plus, you know, whatever, plus 500 plus 600 to win it. And I asked someone that I knew who was a head odds trader at the time at a major uh, sports book here in the United States. And I said, what's the deal here? Like, why did this happen? Why did Matteo Berrettini remain plus 1500 after he won five matches in a row? And clearly, you know, the books would know he's always the second likeliest player to win. Probably now he'll be three because I'm sure Carlos, I haven't looked at the latest odds, but it's a big story, right? And he said, you know, honestly, just odds maker laziness. Like they yeah, just they didn't they didn't pay attention. And I think I think the more popular betting on tennis gets, I think that will, you know, we'll, we'll start to to notice they're a little sharper. But I think yeah. perhaps with this Coco Golf situation, I think maybe there, you know, there there's not a ton of thought. I think we give these odds makers a little too much credit sometimes. And I think maybe like, oh, you know, well, she's not as hot as she was five months ago. That that could be a very real price price to play. And I will say that does exist yeah. in betting on tennis. Well, if she gets to the, if they each win their match and they go to the third round, it'll be Bedosa, who's the third favorite in this tournament versus Coco. And the way it's lining up, Coco will be an underdog. So just something to put a pin in would be what I would say. Uh, that also said, Zach, let's, let's get to the, the pick section of this because you're buying low on somebody that's just starting their tennis career and already had some profits. But we've got a 15-year-old, Andreeva, who, who also won today, beat Leo Fernandez. You were on that. She's got head in Maya, who has a big game, but maybe Clay's not her surface. What have you seen with this teen sensation? and Why are you so adamant that she's just going to keep it going? Yeah, so... One of the things that was not working for me in Monte Carlo, which is you know now working again, is I've been looking for players that have played a lot of clay court matches, playing against players that haven't, and that's really where it is with Andreva. I think she's played, I think she's sixteen and two on clay already this year. I mean, seventeen of those matches or something were at the challenger level, but you know I thought that she had a really good chance against Layla. I thought she came out and played a really good match. She has a really you know big game for a young player, and I think that she's gonna really give Haddad Maya trouble. Haddad Maya got to the third round last week, but it was with two players retiring on the way. So she really didn't win a match. And then she got wiped off the floor for, by uh, Anj Javor. So I just think that she hasn't shown form yet. And I think that we have seen it from Andreva. Yeah, I, I would say that we know that these kind of runs happen. The history shows that Madrid especially has been a place for major breakthroughs for players that are unseated in this event. And I think the momentum is a huge thing. I think headed Maya's game isn't going to translate as well here. In this section, I know she's in Sabalenka's area, but lest we forget, Kenny, this was the one blip on Sabalenka's radar in the lead to Roland Garros was Madrid. This is where the dip happened. So I could see, if it's not Andreva, I could see some chaos happening at the bottom of this draw for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely a fun bottom half here. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm even looking for Elisa Mertens to maybe win a few matches here. But I, I agree with you, like, about the Andriva spot. I think that that's a very wise thing to do, uh, especially when you have recent, you know, winning machines on clay. We saw today uh, Matteo Arnaldi against Benoit Pair. Like, you know, there are players who just are, are winning, even though the quality of opponent is not that high. Uh, that is something mentally when they, they bring into matches. Okay, well, I have won, you know, four out of my last six clay court matches or 10 out of my last 12 or whatever it is, uh, maybe winning a smaller tournament, coming in with a lot of confidence. And I think especially players get time to practice, of course, but it's definitely an adjustment period and something that I always look to attack when we when we change surfaces. So I, I like that. And it's very seldom that you see a player uh, I mean, I, I know that there's always like one random run. We talked about that last show, but it is seldom that you see a player that historically has struggled on clay, has not played a lot of clay, just ran, or, or any other surface for that matter, or grass, just come out and, uh, and, and roll a player that is comfortable on the surface, that grew up on the surface, that's won a lot of matches that year on the surface. So I think that's a very, very wise, wise look. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sabalenka to me has has a, a an easier draw than Rabat, or excuse me than uh, than Sviatek does potentially mm-hmm. with Rabakina or Krajikova in the draw. Um, but yeah, I mean I don't know a ton of people here who really hurt her. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating it's going to be a fascinating thing to see how this one term determines whether Sabalenka can keep it going. Do we have some upsets? Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Uh, let's look at the men's event now because I know we have some picks in this one. And uh, Zico, I think we can start with just the pre-tourney odds as we're getting going. Alcaraz talking about being a prohibitive favorite to say the least. No Djokovic, no Nadal, as we know. Even money to win this tournament. And it feels it feels right in that regard. It also feels like we should have a discussion on who the number two should be. I think that minus 165 to reach the final looks a little tasty as well. But Zico, how do you think the market reflects Alcaraz's dominance? One tournament back, one tournament win, and where we are in search of our number two pick in this one. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of number two, I I was really fascinated by the pre-tournament odds. I don't know if you saw, like, I think Bruno was like plus 2,200 or something like that. And he's been one that's almost equally on fire on clay. I mean, I can see him making, you know, another deep run at this tournament. But yeah, Alcaraz, I mean, he looked awesome last tournament and, when he's healthy, I do think he's the best player in the world right now. I know that's a pretty you know, tight debate between him and Djokovic, but we've seen a little bit more out of Alcaraz lately, and I just think that these courts are going to bring out the best of him as well. You read my mind on Runa, number two in my book, yeah. based on what's happened, based on that win last last week where he's down 5-2 match points, double break against Bodic. Kenny, I know um, you're a resident Alcaraz guy and a resident, a lot of other player hater, but... Even you got to be impressed by what Holger's been doing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, he's it, oh, Clay has always been his best surface from a very, very young age, so it's no surprise. And I, you know, that I, that Bodic match, I felt bad for Bodic. I think he had what the four championship points. Mm-hmm. Um, Runa just played better on all of the big points, uh, and I think that that's something that he's done 
so well throughout his young career. I mean, we've really only seen him play at this level for the last, I don't know, what, eight months? Like, it hasn't really even been a full year that Holger Runa's been even at a top, like, 30 level, given, you know, let alone top 10. So, I, look, I mean, yeah, I'm expect, I'm expecting big things out of him Clay's season. Of course, last year, I guess it has been a little over a full year because he did have the Roland Garros run. But I'm expecting another big run at Roland Garros, especially with guys like Kasper Ruud falling off on Clay. Last year's semifinalist, Marin Cilic, uh, is, is nowhere to be found here. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's pretty wide open for Runa. Um, I agree with you that Alcaraz, we, I was talking to someone recently about, uh, they brought up uh, the incredible run, um, uh, the only player ever to beat, uh, it, what was it? I, I forget exactly the person who beat. I think it wasn't Burdick, right? It was Nalbandian, or who was it again? That beat Djokovic, Federer, and Rafael. beat the, the big, it was, uh, it, no, it was uh, the Russian, Davidenko. Beat oh, Davidenko, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, so the only thing that to me comes close is what Carlos did here last year, which was beat Rafa, Novak, and Alexander Zverev, who but you know, it was obviously pre-injury and he is unbelievable at this event. Uh, I think he proved last year, like if you're going to be able to get through that murderer's row in, in the quarter yeah. semis in the final, um, I don't know if there's, I mean, there is no, there are no three players in this draw right now that you can line up that, that I would say is a harder ask than doing what he did last year. Given Rafa, obviously we haven't seen him uh, this year since Australia, but I mean, last year, Rafa won Roland Garros. Rafa was Rafa. So that was a very big accomplishment. Carlos is better now. He's stronger now. He has more match experience. His serve mm-hmm. has gotten a lot bigger. So I think he's he's definitely a deserved favorite. Yeah, and I think given that he's such a smart tactical player, I mean, he drops shots, sits past like 37 times in a row. He's like, you're just going to keep standing here. This is what's going to happen. So lots to like about Alcaraz's game. We'll get to some picks right now. Uh, and I want to start with Zico because you're on the fade Andy Murray train early which I'm not against the concept of it, but he has won a couple round one matches. So I'm interested to hear your reasoning for why in round one, you're going with the dog against Sir Andy Murray. Yeah, it's just a similar one here where uh, it's it's another player that's played a ton of clay court matches against somebody that really has it. I think Vavasori is, at, I want to say he played like 92 matches in the last 52 weeks on clay. Murray's played five. And, you know, Murray looked awful against Deminor in Monte Carlo, but Jamin Orr is not a, you know, a particularly strong clay court player. So I just think this is a good spot to get a plus money dog. I don't know for, you know, I don't feel that strongly about it. I think that it's just a good value play. Yeah. I, his attitude on clay. I mean, there is something wrong with how he's felt playing on clay. He even said as much, like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. So if there's ever going to be a tournament where he's going to crash and burn, this would probably be it. I just, I feel like if it's tight five, five, tie break third Murray will find a way to win it so it's almost like you gotta just you gotta you know kill Jason before he just you know stamp on the heart or whatever from those movies so uh Candy you have a couple picks that I like um or I'm interested to hear why you like rather because they're players, <laughs> completely different yeah they're players that had great runs on clay years ago like I'd have to go back into the almanac but you like Chechenato you like Karatsev these are players that have had success Chechenato versus Vucevic so you know, I don't think it's a shirt off competition, but why do you like Chechenato in this one? Well, first of all, you know, I think with anything here, like I said, these are the first the first few days we're dealing with players that are not top 20 players, right? Like th- this is what we're left with. We're left with a battle between Marton Fucevic and Marco Chechenato. This is almost as good as it gets tomorrow on the men's side. Uh, you know, I, yes, I know Dominic team Kyle Edmund is a box office affair for the Brits on tennis TV, uh, but I don't know if that's really going to be a close match. 
Yeah, Chekinato to me, obviously, who had the great run in Estoril. Uh, I, I just more so he split the two. Uh, he's down three to one in the head to head to Fuchovic. I think that's going to attract a lot of Fuchovic money, but you know, he, he they're they're one and one on clay. And I just for me, I don't think Martin Fuchovic is an amazing clay court player. 158 and 114 across all competitions for uh, for his career, he was six and five on clay last year, three and five the year before that, three and two this year. And I, I mean, look, I, I know it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because we've seen him be good on slow hard courts, and this is a fast clay court, and it's sort of similar. But uh, look, Marco to me, he brings a lot of power. I think he brings more heat on the serve than Fuchovic does. Um, and like I said, I mean, he he's played competent clay court tennis as recently as a few weeks ago. Uh, had to come through qualifying here. I was decently impressed with with the level of competition that he had to face. So. I think this is a, a time to fire it up. I know Fuchovic took a set off. Fritz almost beat him in Munich. But I, I, I think that this is a – Fuchovic has sort of been very, very up and down. I don't. I just wouldn't price it like this. Like I, I, don't, I don't think that Marco Cecanato should be a plus 156 right. dog to Marjan Fuchovic. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking for him to bring back that level we saw in Estoril. I know, like, he's usually only would, good for, like, one week a year. but. Yeah. I would say I like this one more than the other pick, though. To be honest, like I, I actually think Chechen out of the value. I don't know that Karatsev versus my guy Laszlo is going to pan out, but maybe I'm just Kenny a little more disappointed because you take bigger swings normally. There's a lot of big money underdogs tomorrow, and I know you mentioned this match maybe being as good as it gets, but we know that there will be a, a pretty sizable upset because just the law of averages happens every year. Yeah, I, I know, right? And I do like to take my plus money dogs. And I I'm, I look, uh, I think all my, my bets tomorrow are, are plus money. I mean, one is on a favorite, but I, I think this is a decent spot for Karatsev. He just did beat Struff in qualifying, who uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll shortly talk about because he's red hot right now. Uh, but he's now won five of his last six matches. Of course, you know, four of those were qualifying matches and he didn't really beat anybody to qualify in Munich. But Look, he was he was hurt earlier this year. He took some time off. He's starting to get back into rhythm now. Uh, all his wins have been pretty decisive. No nonsense. He was schooled by Bodic, but then again, what we saw from Bodic in that final against Runa, he was playing a very high level uh, in Munich. So I, I think that this is uh, this is a trouble spot for Laszlo Gera, someone who's really slowed down. He's only won three matches out of his last eight, and. I, I look. I've never been a big Laszlo Gera guy. I know he's he, he could beat just about anybody on clay on his day, but I think yeah. we saw a much better Laszlo Gera in the Golden Swing than who we will likely see uh, here. And the win over Borna Chorich was something to put a feather in his cap. But when was the last time? I, honestly, since Cincinnati last year, we really haven't seen Borna Chorich play a ton of great tennis. So I'm not really rating. Jera's form quite as highly. And also, if you look at this line, I mean, if you everyone is, loves to fade Aslan at this point because he's an unforced error machine, but look at this line. Why isn't it why isn't it crazier in the direction of Jera? It's because Kratsev's quietly playing some better tennis now. And I know it's always uh, I mean, I'll probably end up putting two dollars on this because you never want to put stake a lot of money on this guy. No. But uh no, no, I'm just kidding. I'll have a unit on it. But you know, he has played better. And and that's a fair thing. I think Zico, we can kind of look at other players you might be. Maybe not exactly picking tomorrow, but players that you're liking, how their draw might open up, how they're doing, or conversely, who isn't looking good. And it might not be tomorrow, but you think could go down a little early as this giant draw progresses. Well, I, I should just note that I almost picked Chechenado. I, I did like that match a lot. I, I almost went, ended up going with the over in that match, but I ended up cutting it. I just tried to be a little bit more... Uh, selective this week after overexposing myself in Monte Carlo and just learning a little bit of lessons there. But um yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at that Sitsipas team match potential. I, I think that has the chance to be 
a really good one. I'm, I'm hoping that we learn a little bit more about team, you know, in the lead up to the French Open. I think he's been really close. I, I mean, he looks a lot better now than he did at the Australian Open. And then, oh, man, I'm looking kind of at that uh, Ramos Manolas against Davidovich Rokina. I kind of think that's like a pool of death down there with Runa, Alvaramos, and Davidovich Rokina. I love Ramos Vignolas to win that match. I think he's got yeah. to teach that young kid a lesson. I think the old man is back. And he had a he's had a tough year, but I, I mean every time you watch him play, he's he's still good. Like it's not like he's I don't, I don't think he's really gotten a ton worse. I think he just kinda everyone has bad runs like that. Dushan Lajevic last year had that run. He, what did he lose? Like eight matches in a row. I was like, this guy's gonna retire. He lost his sponsorship. And look at this guy now. He's like a top ten clay player for, for crying out loud. So I agree with you. I mean, do you just look at it for value? Like if a play, if players, if neither have distinguished, it's like, well, if this is crazy, might as well just sprinkle on the player because it could be their day. And I'm just using you know, on the top of my head, like the Manorino example against Echeverry. That number seems pretty high. No, Echeverry had the run in Houston, but we know players can go unconscious in one clay court run. No, that's an I, interesting. I mean, with Ramos Manila, he was an underdog today against Ivashka, and I took that over on Visa. And I think that like. You just can't make these clay court players, like these clay court specialists, underdogs against players that are largely unproven on the surface. It's like highly, you know, highly disrespectful. You know, there's a Michael Jordan. Uh, I took that personally meme there for Ramos Morales if you want to make it. But I think that, yeah, I, I agree. I think he could beat Davidovich Rokina. And I did see the Manorino line and I thought the exact same thing as you. I didn't, it didn't end up taking it, but I would see a plus 350 underdog in that match. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want to start a meme page for Ramos Vignolas memes, I, I don't know if you'll find a bigger fan than me. So I would definitely love to start Probably that with Ezeko. But I'm not – there's no way. I'm t- I, If there's one lesson I've learned in my years of betting tennis, it is not to bet Adrian Manorino on a clay court, just ever. And it's never a good idea. He's always priced like this for a reason. And I, I frankly, I learned that lesson today with Yibing Wu because I was like, well, you know, mm-hmm. Yibing Wu, like he's – you know, it's a faster surface. Got the, there's no way he should be plus 230. Um, I don't even remember who he played anymore because I'm sort of trying to, to, to block that right. out of my mind. But he played a guy that I just – oh, yeah, he played uh, Mulchan, who I don't like at all. I hate oh. Mulchan. I think he – I don't know – I don't think he's a good player. Uh, and I think Yibing Wu has more talent, and yet he, he blew him out. So I think, to your point, like Yibing Wu, unproven on clay. Mulchan has played a lot of clay court tennis. And despite the, the skill gap, in my eyes, it, it was clear that uh, Yibing Wu not ready, even though he's played some clay court tennis, to, to sort of step up yeah. in that match. With the top of the draw being so, I guess, I don't want to say top-heavy, but it's got Alcaraz, it's got Holger in it. Zico, are we looking forward to a rematch, potentially, with Sitsipas and Alcaraz? Could Holger crash the party? Could Taylor Fritz crash the party, who you know didn't end well in Munich for him, but his clay court game has got What about Alexander Zverev? He's right there. I, I keep falling for Zverev and, and, and losing it. But I do think that it's going to happen eventually. He looks really good. He's just like needs to break through. I mean, he wins one point against Medvedev. We might be talking about him differently it's right now. the ears, potentially. Because I do yeah. agree that, that physically he's gotten back to close enough to where he was that elite, elite clay court player. But it has, like you said, it's, it's a landmine. It keeps tripping you up. Like it looks good on the surface right there, but something's a little off. But this is his tournament, though. He, he's, this is his tournament. He's been to the final three times. He's won it twice. He's never lost Alcraz before the quarters. Alcaraz might have made it his tournament last year. In that <laughs> final. Like, that might have hey, been you know what? You know, you know who made it? You know who, who yeah. sunned Alcaraz on clay last year? It was Alexander Zverev and Roland Garros, one of the, the, the biggest clay court event of the year. So Yeah. You were saying he was better, though. Alcaraz is better than he was last year. So <laughs> yes, great. he is. 
Yeah. I, Any I love for oh sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That would be a good final. I think that <laughs> I just think the opportunities down there for some upsets or some relative chaos could be if you have anybody else Zico, you think could make waves. I was going to say, any any love for Sarundolo out here? I thought he looked awesome last tournament. I think that he could potentially come out of this that quarter. You know, I think if he gets through Tiafo and into yeah, that that Francis's level when he makes that transition to the European clay, I'm fascinated to see because he's looking like he is get together on that surface. But yeah, if, if Sarundolo gets through that, Felix we haven't seen tested quite yet. So yeah, I think there's play there. I don't know that I would back it all the way to the final, but to get to the quarters, I think there's some reasonable optimism. Yeah. I was about to say, I, I'm kind of looking at Felix in that Steph quarter. I know that, I don't know if he's going to get by Steph, but in terms of the surface, like, I, I mean, we've obviously seen Felix when he came up, when he when he was, what, 17 or 18, like when he first rose into yeah. the top 100, when he was winning all his matches, a lot of them were on clay. A lot of people were talking about how, is this your favorite surface? Like, that was a real discussion. I So I, I've never doubted that he could play on clay. Obviously, this, the potential landmine in round two with Dushan Lajevic, but I think his I think his his section is half of the quarters looking relatively weak. Uh, I don't I just Francis Tiafo has been kind of uninspired at this point with his tennis over the last month. It's not making it's it through, huh? Jan Leonard Struff, the lucky loser. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe I I I look to be honest. I will probably block out some time to make sure I catch Shelton and Struff if Struff does beat Sonigo because that should be a good match. But I mean, and really though, if we're being serious, like Felix. Felix should make the quarterfinal here against Steph, and I think that would be a very, very fun match. And uh, obviously, they've had the battles. I mean, Rotterdam is a very slow indoor hardcore. Who knows what could happen? But I think that's a sneaky guy. He's he's going to have a, another run in the next month uh, or two months, rather. Maybe maybe we have to get off of clay first. But I feel like we've always we've just kind of for, fallen fast asleep on Felix, and uh, he's I think he's going to come back with a vengeance here this spring. Yeah, I also don't want to fall asleep on Rublev either. I know he's has, he has the match with Stan. But that would be a very, very nice draw, in my opinion, his section. So if he gets if he gets by the legend, the French Open champ, I think it opens up very well for him to do damage. And you know, yeah. Also, while we're just I, I know that I know that you're trying to move things along. You're a very, very good host. But just in the interest of talking about bracketology, one match tomorrow, or uh, rather on what I don't even know what day it is. Friday, Thursday, Thursday. It'll be a Friday. It'll be Friday. What about Bublik? Could Bublik upset Runa? I know we just we talked so greatly about him, but I'm telling you, you want to talk about Carlos hitting drop shots all day against Steph Bublik? How many drop shots? I don't I don't know the number, but how many drop shot winners did he have today against uh, Galan? Who played an excellent match? Galan played awesome today. Galan, and this this is altitude clay is Galan's uh, ish, and I he looked Bublik really good. No, I, that's that's not one that I would favor, but he can he does have that ability to kind of get unconscious and then see what happens, but. That, he did a drop shot winner from five, I think so five feet more, beyond baseline. I don't know. Holger's game. I mean, yeah, if he has a meltdown, which I guess is certainly possible, he could just go ballistic. Who? Then, which one? Who could go yeah. ballistic? Who yeah. could have a meltdown? Well, we know Bubik. Bubik can lose tomorrow six love, six love. But could Holger have a bad day and Bubik has a good day? Yeah, it's possible. Um, and then, Kenny, I just want to ask your thoughts quickly. You're a Krajanovic guy for some reason. but no. Well, not really. <laughs> but I do like him tomorrow. I Look, I, I'm... I know Chris O'Connell's won a lot on clay and Krajanovic has mm-hmm. what now one, one win in uh, mm-hmm. since February. But like I, I did, I did have him, my, my computer is dying. I don't know if it's going to affect the video quality. I did have him against Bautista Gut, And that mm-hmm. was a match where he was yeah. completely in control. 
Uh, you think he was up a set and maybe a break and co- it completely fell apart, but it, it, it sort of, uh, he, he obviously got down on himself mentally. The losses piled up. I think it just, he, he the frustration kicked in, mm-hmm. but I thought in two defeats against Batista Gut and Dushan Lajevic, who was like one of the hottest clay court players in the world. He took a set off him. I thought, I thought he looked really, really good. And this is a surface he could play on for sure. I'm not sure why the, the line is moving against him because this is clearly his best surface. I think despite the fact that he's four and 10 and he was 20 and 17 last year, he's actually playing some pretty good tennis right now, despite the results. And I think he's due a good result. And again, I think that's why he's really not a big underdog here to Chris O'Connell, who is again, a guy that he's eight and three on clay this year, but I mean, how proven is he? How proven is he on clay? He hasn't played that much on clay over the last four years. And if you look at his tennis Explorer page and you see that he was 60 and 16 in 2019, uh, most of that was on, you know, gr- green clay. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a solid spot to play him. I do. Last thing before we wrap this up, guys, this has been a pleasure. Uh, Zico, I'll ask you about another name that has a favorable first round match, at least. What are the reasonable expectations for Dominic team? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm definitely expecting him to get by Kyle Edmund. I do think that Edmund looked pretty good the last time I watched him, but I would expect team to win that match. And then, Man, I'm, I'm hoping to see a really close match between team and Sitsipas. I think that team has it in him at this point. I think it's not as close it is, as it is with Zverev, but I think it's the type of thing where he needs to see himself win a set against a big-name big, big player to like feel good about his game again. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. It's great for him that he has a match that's winnable to get some momentum, but it's how he tests himself against the greats that will ultimately decide how far he can take this thing. Uh Fellas, pleasure as always. We're going to end with this, though. I want to just do something different. Favorite uh, match that you're looking forward to, maybe in a round or two, two players you want to see test, uh, you know, fight here in this tournament. And then also, what's the final look like? So, Kenny, we'll start with you. What match you want to see happen, and how do you see this final event matching up? Well, the match I want to see happen, uh, fourth round, Dan Evans, Stefano Tsitsipas. That's, what, that, that's it for me. Dan, Clay Court Dan, he's, he's, uh, he had that, he had that great run. Two weeks yeah. ago, uh, no. But in, in all seriousness, I think there's there's plenty of matches that I'm looking forward to. Fritz Ketsmanovic, uh, that's a rivalry uh, in itself because of the amount of times they've played. I'm looking forward to that one. But in terms of, I mean, yeah, in terms of like box office entertainment, I don't I don't think it gets any better than a fourth round match between Alexander Zverev. Uh, we're so close. We almost finished. <laughs> yeah, who's Alexander Zverev going to play? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to wait yeah. till next week, and whoever he does play, that's who he would pick. But uh, Zico, your answer to the same question always a blast talking to Kenny. But yeah, no, I was about to, I was about to throw some love on his guy Fritz because I think that Fritz, I think you could see Fritz and Nori. I think one of them could come out of that quarter. I look at that one mm-hmm. as kind of a wide open quarter, so I think that's an interesting match potentially down the line. And then I also, as far as the final goes, man, that's tough. I. I I do think it's really possible that we see Sitsipas and Carlos again, and I don't really want to see it again, but <laughs> I do think that's probably the most likely option. I'll show some love to, uh, to one of the Americans we haven't talked about, Tommy Paul, and as great as that match with Dan Evans would be if it happens, I want to see Paul Sitsipas on clay. I think that could be really fun. Uh, I think Fritz goes on a run here, and I would go Carlos Fritz final would be how I see this sneaking up. So I think that's where we are. Zico, pleasure as always. We can find you on uh, tennis.com, writing gambling columns all week. And uh, I know this is the grind. So this is where we are with uh, producing all this stuff. And we'll, we'll let Kenny come back in here and say goodbye. 
before we go. But. Yeah, I would like to say goodbye. I was I, what I was saying was the uh, I don't know if you heard me, but this Zverev Alcaraz uh, okay. fourth round match okay. that doesn't get any better than that. Okay, I think he will win. I think I think, <laughs> I think Zverev could uh, well will win, but I think Zverev could win. We all threw some love on Taylor Fritz, by the way, who you've been touting for weeks. So yeah. when you left, we all started final. <laughs> I'll say final potential. Get get Absolutely. into the final. Yeah. Absolutely final potential. I mean, again, I, I we drew the, <laughs> it wasn't the internet, it was my Not laptop that night. And I, here's what I'm here's what I'm versing. I'm versing the fact that new laptops only have two okay. USB C ports and that's it. But no, uh, we I I drew the comparisons to Fritz's game and Zverev's game, honestly. Uh so why can't he do well here in Madrid? I think I think it sets up well for him. Completely agree. Uh, we are on Tennis Bets on Twitter. We're on the Tennis Channel YouTube page as well as the Tennis Facebook. And uh, we're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all your podcast platforms. Uh, shout out to our producer, Mike Haston, for uh, coming in here and uh, you know keeping us in line, dealing with Kenny's internet issues, which is always going to be a How challenge. Nothing, but- to <laughs> nothing to do with internet. I, my laptop died. What are you going to do? Uh, well, Zico, charge it. you could do that. Yeah, we could. That's true. You could prepare. But Zico, Kenny, always a pleasure. We'll try to uh, pick some winners and go forward. But we'll have Madrid to talk about next week. Same day. It's Wednesday, midday with some action. We'll see what we do. But best of luck in the gambling streets. And it was a pleasure chatting with you on Tennis Bets. Great seeing you guys. Thank you.